This is Real Health Chats, real talk about health issues important to you and your family. I'm Dr. D. And I'm Becky, the doctor's wife. Welcome to the show. Hey everyone, welcome to Real Health Chats. This is episode one, health screenings. Nothing we say should be taken as medical advice. For specific questions, please talk to your doctor. Episode one, that's exciting. It is. All right, so let's get into it. What are health screenings? So in general, a health screening is a test that's done looking for a disease or health problem when there's not any symptoms present. So is that something that you would get at a yearly checkup, which we think everyone should have, right? A yearly checkup with their doctor? Yes, usually that's when these tests will be discussed and arranged uh, and talked about with your doctor at a yearly physical or yearly health wellness exam. If you're not one that's prone to going to yearly wellness exams, then your doctor may recommend it when you just show up for an illness. Okay, yeah, because some of us don't really like going to the doctor. Yeah, we know that. So we try and uh, get people when they're kind of captive audiences and recommend some of these things when, when we have them there in the office. But in general, it's something we would recommend uh, during a, a yearly wellness physical or exam. Okay, so a screening test is something that's done when there's no symptoms. If you have symptoms, that's a completely different test, although sometimes it's the same test, right? Right. That's a good explanation. A screening test is something we do when there's no symptoms, but we're looking for some type of disease or problem. A diagnosis or a diagnostic test is when somebody shows up with a symptom and then we order a test to try and diagnose what the problem is that's causing that symptom. Okay. And sometimes that's the same test. So it, let's go it, into some of the it tests. It might be the same test. Okay. So I, we could do an example now and then talk about okay. the specific screening recommendations later. So a good example of this is a colonoscopy. A colonoscopy is a screening test for colon cancer. For most people, it's recommended at age 50. So when we do a screening colonoscopy, they are doing a test that's looking for problems like colon polyps or colon cancer. If somebody comes in with complaints, uh, it's kind of gross to talk about some of these things, but maybe bleeding down there, then they're going to get a colonoscopy, but it's going to be in order to look for the source of bleeding. So it's the same test, but it's done for different reasons. Okay. Does that so- make sense? does make sense. Okay, Be prepared good. because this is a medical podcast. So some of the things we'll talk about, some people might find gross. Yeah, but they're just dinner table conversations at our house. That's so true. That's so true. Some <laughs> people don't even like to eat with us. That is that. very true. We gross people out and we don't even know it. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk specifically about uh, some of the women's screenings, screenings that are specific to women. Okay, I think that's a great place to start because there seems to be a lot more things that women have to do than men have to do, right? I know. That's the way it is, though, all the time. It is. It doesn't matter. What's so health true. screenings, housework, so raising true. kids. <laughs> I will not argue that point at all. 
So we've just talked about one, the colonoscopy. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Okay, first we can start talking about the pap smear. The pap smear is a test that's looking for cervical cancer or cervical dysplasia. So why is it called a pap smear? It's named after the doctor who invented it, and his name was Dr. Papanicolo. I think that's how you say it. Interesting. Yeah, there's a good story about how he uh, discovered this process. Uh, it's probably too detailed uh, for our discussion here. Uh, but basically, uh, with an examination, we gather cells from the cervix, which is the very bottom of the uterus, and then they make a slide out of that, uh, a smear, and someone then looks at that under the microscope. And then the pathologist can tell if the cells look normal, uh, if there are signs of precancerous changes, which we call dysplasia, or if there's cancer cells present. All right. And then what's found determines what's done next. So in a, if a pap smear is normal, then a woman now can have it repeated every three to five years, depending on her age and depending on uh, whether or not she's also screened for HPV. So the recommendation used to be every year. Correct. And that's changed within the last seven to 10 years. Or Which so. is fabulous. Most women love that information. Yes. So good to know. Now, um, it was a good thing. There are some women who still need one more frequently than that. But if it's, if the screening test is normal, then it can be done every three to five years. So when should a woman get her first pap smear? Age 21 is now the recommended time to start pap smears. Okay. What if they are sexually active before age 21? Is that, is that an indication for having a pap smear? No, it isn't. It's age 21. Okay. HPV is a virus okay. called human papillomavirus, and there are some strains of that virus that are responsible for most of the cervical cancers in the world. So at age 30 we can start screening for HPV as well. And if a woman has a negative pap smear and a negative HPV screen, she can repeat that every five years. Okay, cool. Another screening that women need is breast cancer screening. Correct. So when should women start getting mammograms? That is a good question. It's a little controversial. There are recommendations are a little different from different societies. Uh, in general, we start uh, those screenings between age 40 and 50 and do them every one to two years. So for women who are at higher risk based on family history, we might do the screenings a little bit earlier and a little more often. In women who have very low risk and no family history, uh, we might recommend uh, starting a little bit later, or it might be recommended to start a little bit later. The important thing is to talk to your doctor, discuss your particular risk and your particular level of comfort with starting early versus starting late. Just know that 
the earlier we start and the more frequently mammograms are done, that increases the rate of unnecessary procedures and potential complications. Okay. So typically, I know what my doctor recommends is every year. And, you know, they're not that fun. If if you're listening and you've had one, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't had yours yet, then uh, they're not that fun. But they're also quick and very, very easy. I've had several friends with breast cancer, and every one of them will say, go get your mammogram. Go get your mammogram. And that's very true. And one of the things that's, if you're listening to our podcast, one of the things we want to convey with this uh, with this series is, you know, the importance of having these tests done, but also equipping you with information that you can take to your own experience with your doctor. So questions you can ask that maybe you didn't know you needed to ask, like, when should I start my screening? Is my family history important? I'm 40, but I don't want to start screening till I'm 50. Is that okay? Those type of things. And same with uh, the pap smears. If you have information that we can provide, then you'll be better equipped when you're having an interaction or an experience with your healthcare provider uh, that ultimately we hope will uh, enhance that experience and make it more productive. Good answer. And the next one is a chlamydia screening. So this is just a general recommendation that in women who are younger than 24 or younger than 25, uh, that they have a yearly screen for chlamydia if they're sexually active. And if they're older than that, uh, if they're at high risk. And then men are... Uh, it's recommended that men, we're not really talking about them, but we're talking about uh, sexual things. So uh, men should be screened for it too if they're at high risk. Uh, and high risk would be multiple partners um, and things like that. Is that still starting at 21 or is that something that, I mean, if we don't you, start pap smears till 21? So we can do a chlamydia, how should I phrase this? answer. (laughs) Yes. For sexually active women, they should still be screened for chlamydia, even though they're not having a pap smear done. So we can screen for chlamydia with a urine sample now. Oh. So you wouldn't have to have a a regular pelvic exam in order to have that So very, uh, much much less invasive. Much less invasive now. So that's probably the main screening tests that would be specific for women. Um, The screening tests that might be recommended that are specific to men uh, would be prostate cancer screening. This is a very controversial topic. Some societies are recommending against the PSA test. PSA stands for prostate-specific antigen. And it's a test that's been used in the past to screen for prostate cancer. The reasons that this test might be recommended against are a little complicated 
honestly, it's hard to explain. It's hard to explain in person, and so it may be even more difficult to explain in a setting like this. Maybe what we'll do is a, a uh, podcast specific for men's health and prostate cancer screening and try and explain some of those difficulties. Okay. Sounds good. Nobody wants to talk about prostates anyway. <laughs> okay. How about, uh, let's go back to the colonoscopy. Okay. We have a fun Yay. episode coming up this uh The colonoscopy. Everybody's favorite thing to schedule, right? And what you hear is, oh, the test isn't that bad. It's the prep that's the bad part of that test. So it's recommended that people have pro uh, colon cancer screening at age 50 unless there's a family history. And then it's recommended they start earlier based on, you know, the age of when their relative had colon cancer. So there are different ways to check for colon cancer other than colonoscopy. Colonoscopy is probably considered uh, the best, although it the is... The gold standard of... The gold standard. Yeah, I guess it's the gold standard. <laughs> but it's it's also got some risk associated with it, and so not everybody you know wants to tolerate that risk. So other things that can be done to screen for colon cancer are tests called a fecal occult blood test, and that's checking for blood in the stool. Blood Back to that, the gross stuff. It's blood that you don't see, but it can be tested for chemically. And then if that test is positive, then you have to go do a diagnostic colonoscopy to see where the blood is coming from. Okay. And then you can also pair a barium enema, which <laughs> isn't very fun either. Does not sound like With a flexible sigmoidoscopy which is just a shorter colonoscopy. So basically all roads lead to colonoscopy. In a way. Now, if you pass those other screening tests, you don't have to have a colonoscopy, but you have to do them more frequently. So a normal colonoscopy means you have to do that or you get to do that every 10 years. If you do one of the other tests, you have to do it more frequently uh, because it's more likely that it could be missed, and so you need to do it more frequently to try and catch it if it's there. Does that make sense? Yep, makes total sense. So let me just go back to one point. Colonoscopies every 10 years if, if there's not anything wrong. Yeah, so if everything looks normal, there's no polyps, there's no signs of early problems of cancer or anything like that, then it's every 10 years. Polyps are very common. Polyps are what generally turn into cancer. So if there are some polyps, uh, the nice thing about the colonoscopy is they can be removed at the time of the test, uh, but then you do usually have to do the colonoscopy a little bit more frequently. Okay. So instead of every 10 years, it might be every five years. All right. Which still isn't terrible. Guess who turned 50 this year? I don't know. Who Gets did? to have his colonoscopy. You shouldn't announce that to everybody. <laughs> Nobody wants to know that. <laughs> All righty. So let's go down to uh, cancer screening in the lung, lung cancer screening. Okay, let's do that. Uh, lung cancer is very common. Uh, we don't have any great tests for screening for lung cancer. We know that people who smoke cigarettes are much more likely to develop lung cancer. So in people who smoke and who are 
older than 65, uh, there are some criteria to do a low radiation dose CT scan as a screening test for, colon, uh, for lung cancer. Okay. So criteria is smoking over 65. So specifically, the criteria are a 30-pack year smoking history. What does 30-pack year Good mean? Good question. I was waiting <laughs> for that question. So that's where I'm looking for. Calculate uh, the, the smoking burden that a person has over their lifetime in pack years. And so one pack year means they smoked one pack of cigarettes a day for a year. So 30 pack years could be smoking one pack of cigarettes a day for 30 years, or it could be smoking two packs of cigarettes a day for 15 years. So that's a lot of cigarettes. That's a lot of cigarettes. So the criteria for having a low-dose CT scan screening for lung cancer is a 30-pack year smoking history, age 65 or older, currently smoking, or quit smoking less than 15 years ago. Okay. Does that make sense? Yep. Makes okay. total sense. So, and that's for men or women. So don't smoke. Please don't smoke. All right. Next on the list that I have is triple A. So triple A stands for abdominal aortic aneurysm. And aneurysm is a swelling or ballooning in a blood vessel. The specific one we're talking about with this test is the aorta that's in the abdomen. The aorta is the largest blood vessel. It carries blood away from the heart to the rest of the body. When it gets down into the pelvis, it branches off and splits and goes into the legs. So an abdominal aortic aneurysm is most common in men who have smoked cigarettes. So men who are 65 or older who have ever smoked uh, need a one-time abdominal ultrasound to test the size of their aorta. And if it's above a certain width, then that's classified as an aneurysm, and then that needs to be followed with more tests. So does that just happen at age 65 for men, or do you have to have a history of smoking? Just to clarify that a little bit. So it's more common in people who smoke. 65 is not the age that it magically happens but it's the average age where we're going to be able to find the most. So the important thing to remember about a screening test is statistically we're looking for things that are common, that are the most common and relatively easy to find. So if it's not, you know, like a mammogram, they say start that at 40, do your colonoscopy at 50. So for... The abdominal aortic aneurysm. Ooh, got that right. Um, there's not like an age of, hey, we're going to screen you for this now. Is that what you're saying? Well, it is age 65 is when it starts. But it's a one-time thing. Okay. So if you don't have an aneurysm at 65, you're very unlikely to develop one after that. Okay. So 65-year-old male. Smoker. Smoker. So non-smokers. Non-smokers can develop aneurysms, 
but it's much less likely. Okay. Very so there's, low risk. There's not a recommendation for screening if you don't smoke. Okay. All right. What about lipid screening? So, yes, in adulthood, everybody should be screened uh, for lipid disorders. How often? If it's normal, every five years. Okay. What, what are lipids? What good, are we even screening good question. for? <laughs> so lipids are cholesterol particles, okay. total cholesterol, HDL, which stands for high-density lipoprotein, LDL stands for low-density lipoprotein, and triglycerides. Those are the typical ones that are on a test called the lipid panel. Mainly, we're looking at the total cholesterol, but we're also looking at the LDL and the triglycerides and the HDL because it helps us uh, know the risk of developing heart disease in the future. Okay. So we want to avoid the wrong numbers on a lipid screening. <laughs> right. You want to keep the numbers low. Keep the numbers low. All right. Then hypertension. There so, are screenings for hypertension. Well, there's not really a screening for hypertension other than having your vital signs checked when you go, you know, for, okay. a, for a checkup. And so when we're screening for that, basically, it just means when you get your, you know, when you go see your doctor, they're going to check your vital signs. And uh, part of your overall wellness is making sure that your blood pressure is in a normal range. Then we get into diabetes. What types of screening are there for diabetes? So this kind of also falls in the category of the lipids where you should just have a one-time screening early in adulthood. Uh, and Which that also just, means in your 20s. That just, yes, that consists of uh, blood glucose level. And if it's normal, uh, then periodically you should have it rechecked. And every five years is probably adequate. Now, if you have a family history or you're at increased cardiovascular risk for some other reason, like your cholesterol is high or your blood pressure is high, then you may want to do a diabetes check yearly. Okay. So something else to talk to your doctor about depending yes. on. Uh, and most of these will be done at your yearly wellness exam. So it's important to get that done. So what about family history in these types of things and diabetes and high blood pressure and high cholesterol? Is that something that would make you want to talk to your doctor about more frequent screenings or earlier screenings? Maybe not earlier. If you're following the general recommendations and having these things done early in adulthood in your 20s, uh, but it may prompt your doctor to recommend them more frequently. So family history is, uh, is an important factor in cardiovascular disease. And all of these things that we're talking about, cholesterol screening, high blood pressure, diabetes, all of those contribute to cardiovascular disease. Which, which is also it, known as heart disease. Heart disease. So cardiovascular disease includes heart disease, and the, process, the same process that occurs uh, in the brain that leads to strokes. What about hepatitis C? Is that a screening that's done very often? Yes, it's recommended that our baby boomer population be screened one time for hepatitis C. So no other, no Generation X or Z or millennials or... So high-risk people should be screened. 
Uh, high risk means people who use, you know, IV drugs or have had blood transfusions, although nowadays that's not spread that way because that blood is screened. But people at high risk for hepatitis C uh, might need to be screened. Okay. But mostly it's that baby boomer population that we're looking for right now. Okay. And then HIV, there's screenings for HIV? There is. There's just a, it's a HIV test, and it's recommended that everybody be screened for that at some point. So if you haven't ever been screened, it probably is good to be screened. Just your general practitioner, mm -hmm. the doctor you see every time can do that? Yep. Okay. It's just a blood test, and they'll just add it on to your regular blood tests. With all and the they other, do your cholesterol all and the other blood, blood sugar and all those you're doing, right? So you can go into your doctor and say, just give me all the letters. That's right. All the letters. Get everything. The DM, the, okay. All right. And then I think then the last screening that, that we were going to talk about is a screening for depression. Depression is something that is so common nowadays. And I don't know if, uh, if everyone knows that there is a type of screening for it. There is. Uh, this screening is a questionnaire, and most physicians or practices will have a system set up where they give the patient a questionnaire as a new patient, and then maybe yearly after that. At your yearly well check. At your yearly well check, you can get that done. There's also self-administered questionnaires that people can do online, and it's just... It's a questionnaire that helps uh, determine the risk that a person might have depression. And if you do one of those on your own and you see that you score high on that uh, screening questionnaire, then it'd be something you'd want to talk to your doctor about. Okay. So that's going to do it for the inaugural episode of Real Health Chats. Thanks for listening. We know it might have been a little rough for this first go-round, but stick with us. You can find us at realhealthchats.com on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We're out there everywhere. And you can subscribe to the Real Health Chats podcast. I am Becky, the doctor's wife. I'm Dr. D. We'll see you next time.